Hello everyone and welcome back to the Layovers Podcast. In episode 11, Boipolo tells a story about how the decision to learn her mother tongue helped her unlearn the external perceptions of what she could or could not do. I hope you all enjoy episode 11 of the Layover Podcast, Language as a Labor of Love. The year is 2005 in a small South African migrant town called Matrosan, or as colonial history would refer to it, as Glagstop. I am enrolled in a Christian Catholic Model C school soon to begin my intermediate phase of grade three. I had been eagerly waiting for this moment, as this marked the year grade threes could make more mature decisions. Our life problems rested on deciding whether writing cursive is worth the painstaking hours of practice or whether graduating to writing in pen would mark your maturity as a pro handwriter. I had to make several decisions that year, which made me feel like I had matured into the full-grown woman I had always longed to be at the tender age of nine years old. One of these decisions dealt with my uncomfortable and shameful relationship I had with language. I was a quiet, sensitive young girl whose visual imagination superseded what I could communicate through spoken language. That year, I entered a personal battleground which would reveal to me one of my lifelong struggles with unlearning people's perceptions of what I could and could not do. I would go on to decide between the languages of Setswana and Afrikaans as an additional language of instruction at school. This should have been an easy decision for me as Setswana is my home language, the language many people refer to as my mother's tongue. It is the language one speaks at home, the language that signifies heritage, family, and legacy. The only difference with me was that I had been made to believe that I had no idea how to speak Setswana, that I was quote-unquote a coconut or quote-unquote a Lukwanyan, which translates to mean a little white person. I believed this wholeheartedly as these remarks were often made by the very people I called family, the people I called friends, and those older friends of parents who would notice that this child is a little too slow to responding in her own language. At nine years old, I was not prepared to face the ugly truth of my reality as a young black Motswana girl growing up in post-apartheid South Africa. I did not understand that I was enrolled in a school system that failed to recognize the importance of educating students to be multilingual from the very first grade that Sezona ought to be my first language of instruction and learning, and English my second. I also didn't understand that capitalism was so ingrained in our familial structures that work life often preceded family life, and thus my parents were often too busy providing to truly pay attention to what their children are learning and experiencing at school. A letter was given to each grade three student for their parents' attention regarding the choice to be made between selecting Setswana or Afrikaans as a second language of instruction and learning. Too ashamed to hand this to my parents, I decided to do what I dreaded, but quickly learned to add to my arsenal of weapons to cheat the system. I forged my father's signature and admitted myself into the Afrikaans class. I know, 
I hadn't realized then that I was signing myself up for a very rude awakening. A few days later, additional language classes began and I braced myself to learn a language I had absolutely no understanding of. As I entered the classroom, I was met by about 15 to 20 desks full of eager chatting children. I couldn't help but notice I was one of, if not the only black child in that class. It was a culture shock I had not expected. Obviously, all the black children, with the guidance of their parents, had chosen Sitwana to be their additional language, regardless of how skilled they were in it. The history of Afrikaans as a language of learning and instruction in South Africa is laced with violence, force and black oppression. I felt deeply out of place and stuck out like a sore thumb. As our teacher began the lesson in Afrikaans, I couldn't help but notice I was the only child who hadn't been previously exposed to this language. As the class recited days of the week and numbers eloquently and cheerfully, I sat back and fell deeper into a well of loneliness. I felt so utterly alone and silenced. I felt that I had silenced myself in believing that I was too much of a Lukwanyana to join the Satsana class, that I had convinced myself that here was where I must have belonged, only to be further away from myself than ever. After that class, I waited for all the children to leave for break time and entered Mr. Mukhaji's classroom, who was the Satsana teacher. As soon as I stepped in and greeted him, I fell into a flood of tears. It took him a while to comfort me and hear what I had to confess over an audible sobbing. He could tell I was devastated and calmed me down. I proceeded to relay my experience in the Afrikaans class with him and apologized for not believing I could be part of his Sitwana class. He began to laugh, which shocked me completely. He assured me that he knew I would eventually join his class and asked me why I had believed I didn't belong there. I told him about my experiences with my peers and my family and how it made me feel unworthy and ashamed that I did not know enough of who I am and who I should be as a Motswana girl. He assured me that language should be seen as a joyful part of being alive in the world, as it gives you strength to communicate no matter what you know or what you think you don't know in life, and that it is truly up to me to change the ways I see myself. After joining Mr. Mohaja's class and struggling with the conflicting feelings of belonging, but sticking through the discomfort and judgment by some classmates, I quickly learned that I indeed knew way more about Sitwana than I thought and that I was among a group of individuals who were learning and unlearning with me. I learned that most of all, I loved to write in Sitwana and I enjoyed the poetry that the language offered. In those early 2000s, I encountered one of the most pivotal moments of my personal journey towards unlearning what the external opinions of others had taught me and learning what I knew was best for my own story. Fast forward to the year 2020 and I now understand the histories that played a role in denying me the experience to fully belong and articulate myself in a multitude of ways in society. I understand the effects colonial rule had on my country 
and what led my parents to enroll me in an education system that they knew would help me excel in a white supremacist capitalist society. Only today, I am a woman who is very deliberate about her journey to decolonizing her mind and to unravel the systems of learning which have removed her so far away from an enriched cultural experience. I look back at this memory and think of the reality that many young children will have to unlearning the falsehood that whiteness is something to aspire towards. And in turn, they reject the beauty, power, and wonder that are the cultures their families' legacies rest upon. In the words of the legendary South African musician Judith Supuma, Tuto gilisedi, gilisedi la dichava, aruruteng banabarong. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Layover Podcast another week. For more from Boipelo, you can find her on Instagram at instagram.com slash B-O-I-P-E-L-O-K-H-U-N-O-U. I am a spelling bee champion. If you're not already subscribed to the Layover's newsletter, go to layover.com. And if you like the podcast, if you listen to the podcast, and also if you read the newsletters, share it with your friends, like, subscribe, comment. I love to hear what all of you beautiful people think, especially in response to the emails. I think it's wonderful. We are continuing with July's theme, unlearning. The story submissions have been amazing so far. Please keep them coming. See you all next week.